0: Today is Tuesday, April 26th, 2022, and today we're going to talk about several things, as is our tendency, as we are wont to do. But before we jump into any of the other topics I'd like to cover, just bask in the moment. Elon Musk has made a deal to purchase Twitter outright and take the company private. That news broke yesterday, and I think it's fantastic. I don't fully know what all the implications might be. I'm not quite sure. But it's a great start. I am sure of that. I think that Elon Musk can do really good things, for free speech online, and we need free speech online. if Western civilization is going to endure, if we are not going to descend into totalitarianism without any recourse, I mean we're flirting with it. we have been flirting with it, no doubt about it. There are bad actors who want us to go there because they want to be at the top, no doubt about it, but If we don't have free speech, they win without the ability to provide accountability and oversight and checks and balances since the people, we the people, were supposed to be part of the checks and balances system on our form of government, in our form of government. If we can't provide the checks and the balances, well then it's just a matter of who is the most Who's the most ruthless? uh, Who has power? Some bureaucrat, some politician eliminates rivals. All of a sudden, they start winding up dead in mysterious circumstances. Scandals break, and their reputations are tarnished and destroyed because three-letter agencies, alphabet soup agencies, are able to release strategically at the right time to the right folks, information which can damage them. I think that this has played out a number of times. I think attempts at this have played out a number of times in recent years, and that there is such a thing as the deep state. But I think they depend on everything that they do being secret and unknown. Hunter Biden's laptop for instance, could have changed the course of the 2020 election. I'm convinced that there was cheating on more than just the suppression of that story on Facebook and Twitter. I'm convinced that there was cheating with regards to the voting machines, with regards to mail-in ballots, with regards to double counting, at least ballots for Joe Biden, not counting at all, a great many ballots for Donald Trump, but just take all of the shenanigans with regards to the count itself and put those off to the side for a moment. The Hunter Biden laptop story alone would have been enough to swing the election to Donald Trump from Joe Biden. It's extremely damning that here's this laptop that Joe Biden's crackhead son, Forgot to pick back up from the repair store. And there's all of this incriminating information. All of this very damning information. All of this information which points to one conclusion that Joe Biden has been selling his influence as a politician. He's been selling that influence around the world and using his son as a bag man using his brother as a bagman they do whatever he tells them to do he takes his cut they can use his name he'll come through at the right time for whoever these uh bribe payers uh happen to be around the world they happen to line up something that just needs one little contribution from the united states of america And Joe Biden comes through and makes it happen. Or makes something not happen. Like, for instance, withholding aid from Ukraine. Son of a bitch was fired. He goes on the air and brags. But with a free internet, again, with an internet that actually allows for asking questions out loud, and not being quote unquote fact checked, which is just code. I mean, we know that it is. The fact checking, the putting a writer on your post on Facebook or Twitter, our independent fact checkers have determined that this post may contain misinformation, disinformation, or what have you. I mean, there's a tarnishing effect when that's present. There's a chilling effect when that's present, when you can't lose even a little bit of your patience with somebody on the left. Not even a little bit. They can lose all patience, but you can't lose even a little bit of your patience with them or else you're locked out. They'll come up with some trumped-up charge, no pun intended, and they'll say, you violated our community standards. You've broken our rules. Today marks one month since I was locked out of my Twitter account. I'm still locked out. Elon Musk, if you're listening, help a brother out. But even if I don't get back into my Twitter account, I am happy to see that Twitter is going to get an overhaul. I just saw news this morning as I was trying to wake up. I woke up, but I wasn't fully awake yet, if that makes sense. I actually did turn off my alarm this morning because I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I'm looking at the news at about five thirty because that's sleeping into me, and here's a headline saying that Twitter has locked its changes. So I've been locked out. <laughs> I've been locked out of my Twitter account with Elon Musk buying Twitter. The folks who could tinker with the system have now been locked out. How about that? Personally, I think it's fantastic. Also, too, if there was any truth to the claim that the Twitter HQ is going to be made into a homeless shelter, I think that is fantastic. There were at least teased jokes questioning, hey, should we make the HQ into... A homeless shelter? (laughs) Yes. Do it. I hope you do it. But moving on. More to come, surely, as we try to wrap our heads around what just happened. We've got an inspection of our home here. I say home, it's not our house. We're renting it. But we have an inspection by the property management company today at noon. And hopefully that goes well. We have been throwing ourselves into cleanup around the house, trying to do some catch-up on deferred maintenance items. Borrowed a carpet cleaner from my dad. Also went and bought uh, way too little, way too little for way too much at Lowe's due to inflation, no doubt. Uh, but to mud walls, patch holes in walls, paint, I took a little paint chip. they matched it. It's cool that they can do that, but we have i think uh improved the outlook uh now, I'll be honest with you, we might get in trouble for a couple of things: one, we do have chickens, and I did not ask. <laughs> And that's wicked of me, I know. But I subscribe to the philosophy that sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. And if I don't ask permission, uh, you can't tell me no. And if you don't tell me no and I do it, well, then I could just shrug and say, well, you know, sometimes that gets me into trouble. But I... I don't see what the big deal is. I really don't. Uh, Hopefully, they don't either. Worst case scenario, they come through and they say, you can't have chickens. Now, technically, we're not supposed to have pets, but also technically, those chickens are not pets. They're livestock. We don't have the chickens in the house, except on the rare occasion that one of the kids forgets to shut the door and the chickens are out of the coop. But we don't let the chickens in the house So it's not like they are pets. They stay in the yard. And of course, whenever we move, we will clean all that up. We will rake it, shovel it. It will be at least as good as it was going to be anyways. I mean, all the grass is dead. We were not trying to kill the grass. We just have a lot of little feet. We have a lot of little people. I don't know what happened with our front yard either because we have paid surely 60 bucks or more for grass seed at this point and seeded and overseeded that front. But it's so dry. I mean, even us watering it on a regular basis, it's like you just can't get grass to start, which is crazy. But we've got not just our kids, we've also got a lot of neighborhood kids that run through, come through. Uh, That's true of the front yard. That's true of the backyard as well. And so what do you do, right? It is what it is. It's not for lack of trying. We've got it roped off. We seated, double seated, over seated. We'll see. We'll see what she says. But I patched some holes in the wall. We scrubbed the walls down, touched up the paint. Also, I replaced the transition between our dining room and our kitchen. We've got a lot of broken tiles most of them were already cracked when we moved in. I think whoever it is that put in that tile years and years ago just did not do a terribly fine job, quite honestly. I don't think they did a very good job of their um, I, of their leveling work, for one thing. Uh, it's not for sure that they actually got the floor prepped properly underneath the tile. They might not have gotten glue up or staples up if that was some other type of uh, flooring before. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But in any event, we did the transition. So that's refreshed now. But I know that rent in this area uh, is up and up and up. It's going up and up. It's not going down. I was looking on Zillow for houses that are for rent in Greeley and Evans that have four or five bedrooms and about our square footage. And I am having a hard time finding anything else that is right here that is about this size. I'll just be honest. So, you know, if it turns out she stops in, she says, Hey, you know, listen, the the owner would like to sell the house. So you have until September or what have you. If it's something like that, I don't don't quite know what we're going to do just yet. We will have to figure that out. Cash flow on paying $700 more a month for a a different house. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards. I really don't. Maybe, with nothing down, it's possible to get a mortgage. But I really, really don't know uh, how to feel about... All these half million dollar houses that you know to save twenty percent to have twenty percent down would be one hundred and twenty grand. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. I just it you know I don't say this to throw a pity party or sound like a victim or anything like that. But we live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, just there's no two ways about it. Uh, this many kids in this part of the country where the cost of living is X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's an expensive place to live. And that is, I mean, quite honestly, that's a big part of why when I had somebody reach out to me from Oklahoma here a year ago or so with a job offer in the larger Tulsa metropolitan area, I was really tempted. I was really, really tempted. Uh, you you look at cost of living. The cost of living is so much less, and if I were to stay, you know, dollar for dollar, what I'm making right now, uh, I, I we I, <clears throat> where our cash flow would be a, a great deal better. I'll put it that way. Uh, our cash flow would be kind of uh, flip flopped what it is right now. So. I don't know. you know. Maybe the Lord's plan is that we stay here and we rent this house out for another year or two and hopefully uh, at some point I can see an increase in wages that at least keeps up with inflation. If not, going ahead of, I'd like to get ahead of inflation. I haven't gotten a raise for two years plus, uh, going on three years, September will mark, Three years, haven't gotten a raise except for $1 an hour, which was kind of just a throwaway. Everybody got a $1 an hour raise. We were told to expect big raises, not at my current employer, but my previous employer. Big raises, merit-based, and then everybody gets a dollar. It's like, are you guys Democrats? I feel like maybe you're Democrats. Over promise, under deliver, or is that backwards? Maybe, maybe it would be better for you to under promise and over deliver. Just saying. But whatever the Lord's will is, I mean, that's what it's going to be. I have been worried sick. I I think I actually am sick right now because I got the call on either Thursday morning or Friday morning. I think it was Thursday morning. I got the call from the property management company. Hey, the guys are coming out to turn your sprinkler system back on next week, Tuesday. Uh, Are you guys going to be there? Yeah, we'll be here. Okay, cool. Uh, Also, I haven't really looked at your property ever. Uh, Would you mind if I stopped by and just kind of took a look around, walked around? Oh, no, that's, that's totally fine. I'll be off on this day, this day, this day. Those would be best. My wife's got appointments, you know, at this time, this time, this time. So if you can work around that, that, you know, yeah, you're totally fine. You know, and and there was kind of an uh and um quality to how she was presenting the idea, proposing it, which makes me a little bit nervous because she sounded nervous. So that's a little contagious. And I've been trying to balance working on getting the house ready for this inspection with trying to get this apologetics talk ready for denominations. Why are there so many denominations? I got some encouraging feedback from Dave Kanashog. sent him the slide deck uh, last night. He said he thought it looked great. Looking forward to hearing me present it. Uh, but trying to balance working on that with getting the house ready. I have made zero progress on my book, Zero progress. All of it has been put into the denominations, apologetic, and getting the house ready. And I, I'll i be honest, I i have been very anxious about it. I have been having a lot of anxiety because I'm thinking to myself, well, what if she's so unhappy about this, this, or this? And, you know, what if she says, oh, you know, rent's going up $700 a month because that's what the market is right now. And what do I do then? Right? And and what if she says uh the owner wants to sell and you've got X long uh to figure something out. You know, where do we go? How does that work? You know, there's, everybody's telling me it'll be fine and I I know there's some part of me that knows that that's that's true. It'll probably be fine. But I also know, and I was telling my wife about this, I says, you know, there's there's something about being the the husband of the father. When you do believe that you are the head of your household, there's something about that in our day and age that just it feels a little bit lose lose sometimes. Not in you know, not necessarily in terms of how my wife and children perceive me, but there too. I mean, we're all affected by the culture that we are in the context of and so yes right like even even my wife and my children to some extent even me to some extent i grapple with it so why wouldn't they but as a husband and a father you you know you you link in your mind if you're a christian and you have this conservative view of what the scriptures are talking about with regards to men and women with regards to husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and children, (laughs) you know, a man who doesn't provide for the needs of his own household is worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever, for instance, a man, the man, right? That's me, (laughs) not my wife. That's me. And yes, the Proverbs 31 woman is getting up early and she's going out and she's selling her goods in the marketplace. She's buying land and she's investing and she's turning it and reselling it. And, you know, like she's doing things that make the house run smoothly. Yes. But the buck stops here, right? The buck stops here. It's my responsibility to pay attention, to have my head on a swivel, to be on the lookout, to be prepared. And yet, on the other hand... (laughs) (laughs) it's my responsibility to not be anxious for anything, as the scriptures say, to fear not, as God repeatedly says throughout Old Testament and New Testament to his people, to not boast about the future, but instead to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so there's, you know, as a man, it's like, okay, I'm going to be on the horns of a dilemma in a situation like this. Knowing that I shouldn't be anxious. I know that I shouldn't. But it's not as easy as that. It's not just, oh, okay, don't be anxious. All right, I'll just click that off. I'll just put some tape over that status light. (laughs) Problem solved. Lauren was just reading Eve in Exile. She just finished it and... Really enjoyed it, and found it challenging and informative and interesting. And uh, even in exile is a book that just came out, written by the wife of the president of St. New Saint Andrews, uh, not Saint Andrews College, but New Saint Andrews College in Moscow, Idaho. Also, uh, daughter of Doug Wilson. Uh, ben Merkel, that's the name I was trying to think of. Ben Merkel is president of New St. Andrews College in Moscow, Idaho. And his wife is Rebecca Merkel. But she's reading this and, you know, really thinking through what feminism has done to our conception of ourselves and one another. And very, very, you know, i we think certainly, very well written, very well reasoned, very well thought out, very thought provoking. Uh, you know, for one thing, is it possible to agree with a lot of the historical feminist thinkers and figures about what are and are not social evils? Is it possible to agree with them about their concerns? That these are valid concerns by and large at least several of the main big concerns or valid concerns. Is it possible to agree with them without being feminists while still adamantly refusing to be a party to their prescriptions? You know, it's kind of like, honestly, the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, read Orlando Fiji's A People's Tragedy about the Bolshevik Revolution and you find They had legitimate complaints. Uh, The communists had legitimate complaints about the czarist system and how the favored families, the nobility, the aristocracy, the landed and wealthy class in Russia uh, was relating to the underclass, everybody else. There were legitimate gripes, legitimate complaints. For that matter, in China, there were legitimate complaints, legitimate gripes about the old system and how it was providing for or not providing for the majority of the people, the underclass, the least of these. And yet it is not enough to say here is a legitimate complaint and then any old solution, whoever beats everyone else to the punchline for a solution, that's who we got to listen to. No, you know, that, that, that's not how it works. But, you know, Lauren and I were talking about this. It's just like, okay, this is cool. This is a, this is a really good read. It's very thought provoking. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. And, you know, she said at one point, Lauren did, that it can be frustrating to be a woman in this day and age, because as a woman... Her having made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom, a homeschooling mom, to have so many kids, to not pursue a career, she is, according to the feminist way of thinking, less than fully human. Uh, Really, truly, that's that's how the feminist status quo that has worked its way into all of our systems views stay-at-home moms. particularly stay-at-home moms of big families, conservative stay-at-home moms of big families. You have not evolved. You are not fully human. In order to be fully human, for us to recognize that you are a full human being, you have to become a feminist. You have to pursue equality with men on XYZ terms. If you're not interested in that, well, then, we see you as stunted in your development. And in some sense, life unworthy of life. I'm sorry. I mean, this idea... Women are just throwing away their potential if they get married, have children, settle down, stay home with the children. It does not necessarily follow. Now, some women do. Some women internalize that, and they just say, okay, cool, I just wear sweatpants and MMS... And walk around the house, getting crumbs everywhere, watching TV, and doing nothing. Because why not? I'm a stay-at-home mom. But in some sense, I think they've accepted, they've embraced, they've internalized this idea that that's less than. They can't do the other thing in good conscience, but they settle on being the stay-at-home mom. And that being less than, and they're just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'm less than. No, 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 hold on. We can do better than that. But a woman is looked at as a kind of victim if she embraces marriage and having children and homeschooling those children and raising those children and keeping the home. She's looked at like a victim in her day. Like she was kidnapped and brainwashed and this is all just Stockholm syndrome and and meanwhile meanwhile her husband is what right what are the implications if she is oppressed and either doesn't realize it or doesn't care then what does that make him what does that make me if she's oppressed I'm the oppressor and so What you find is it's like, okay, you know, as a man, I'm going to have to figure out one of these two scenarios to follow in order to be thought well of by outsiders in our context, if that's possible. And I don't know that it is, but I'm going to have to avoid on the one hand being passive and hands off and laissez-faire. Hey, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, that's totally fine. Just, yeah, you guys... Go crazy. Got to avoid that. Because if I don't avoid that, well then everything is crazy and wild and out of control and undisciplined and a mess and a disaster and chaos. And the father and the husband is supposed to be a force for order in the home. And not order in a strict, inflexible way that doesn't allow for life but order in a way that protects life, in a way that preserves life, in a way that can lead to blessing. You know, So the husband and the father has got to provide that. But in the process of providing that, <laughs> you start establishing boundaries and very quickly you can have the finger pointed at you. You can get sent to the cornfield by society. Because, well, what if you're providing more structure and more order than those around you? And what if that's very intentional by design? And what if the easiest way out is to just say, you are overbearing? You are heavy handed. You are overly strict. You are excessively severe. You are too demanding yes, we're for the patriarchy, I guess, kind of. I'm so uncomfortable with that term, but do you have to be so patriarchal? Well, yeah, yes. That's what it means to be a patriarch. I mean, imagine, imagine that we didn't have the president and a bicameral legislature and we didn't have the judicial system. And we went back to, having kings and queens. And let's suppose when you have a king and the king is actually ruling the kingdom, uh, let's suppose somebody were to say, yeah, you know, I, I know you're the monarch, but do you have to be so monarchical? "Uh, Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I have to be because that's what it means, that I'm the king. I have to act like one or else I'm not going to be the king for very long. The neighboring kingdom is going to come in and eat our lunch. I have to be the king after a fashion. If I'm going to be hands-off, I'm going to have to be clear about why why I'm hands-off, where I'm hands-off, and then make sure that's the right place to be loosening a grip, leaving it up to everyone else. Now, I've gotten in trouble for this before. <laughs> Uh, It's been a few years, but once upon a time, I wrote an article for On The Rocks blog, on the dot .rocks. The website's still out there. You can still check it out. I used to be the chief editor, and quite honestly, the primary one producing content. Not that my cousins didn't produce content. We had some other people as well who uh, wrote guest pieces, but... It was two cousins of mine and myself, and one of our number, one of the three of us, uh, decided pretty early on, after we started the blog, that it just wasn't him. It wasn't him to write these blog posts on a regular basis. And then the other one, uh, you know, he, he wrote a lot of content, uh, just not quite as much as I did. I, I wrote a lot more content than either of my two cousins. And so most of the content that's on there is mine. But I wrote a piece once upon a time about beards and why men should grow them. And I don't think I'm legalistic about this, but I I have very definite ideas. And it's okay to have very definite ideas and yet also still say, you know, I'm not getting into heaven or not based on this, which is, of course, where I find myself. But I made a joke about men having low T and not being able to grow beards, and how some of the men who don't have beards, it's just, hey, you know, maybe you should go build something out of wood, or maybe you should go do something manly and and try again, try try growing a beard again. And so I said this, and it was tongue in cheek. I I was I thought I was being funny, and I thought for sure this is going to be taken as being funny and. Not everyone appreciated the humor of it. So, uh, you know, what I'm about to say might provoke some men and might make them feel insecure. But the fact of the matter is that scientists are measuring testosterone levels in men and have been for decades, and something is happening. Something is happening with the T levels in men testosterone. We are supposed to have a certain level of testosterone in our body, and that testosterone is there by design. It is a God-given thing. All this toxic masculinity talk, we need to be very careful that we are not defining masculinity itself as toxic, and some people are because they hate men. And some men even hate themselves because they're men. Because they've internalized this whole narrative that we are the oppressors. Straight white men especially. We're checking all the boxes. Straight white Protestant Christian American men especially. We're checking all the boxes. We are the oppressors. We are the villains according to the left and the woke. But something is happening something is happening and it's not good that testosterone levels are dropping so much in men. What explains it? Probably not just any one thing, honestly. It's probably a combination of dietary changes, eating more soy-based products, for instance. Soy acts as an encourager of estrogen production in the body, in the male body. Uh, Dudes... My dudes, there's a reason why they call them soy boys. So lay off the soy. Just saying. Uh, I think diet is part of it. Very much so. I think lifestyle choices, being more sedentary, many of us being more sedentary, watching a lot more TV, playing a lot more video games, being a lot more passive. I think that's part of it. Uh, I also think that a great deal of it is all in our heads. And what I mean by that is that there is a kind of m- mental, emotional, spiritual castration that a lot of men have gone through. Uh, there, There is such a thing as chemical castration. We know that uh, if a sex offender, if a rapist uh, is to be castrated, which it does happen sometimes, Uh, Chemical castration is is a a method. That's a, a way that it is done. But I really do think that a whole generation of boys, several generations actually of boys in public schools being given ADHD drugs because they were active, because they weren't acting like little girls, they weren't sitting for the extended periods and just being still and listening and being okay with being inside all day. I I think that a whole generation of little boys being told to be just like girls or else they weren't good little boys, uh, I think that that has contributed to low testosterone. I I really do. I think that's part of it. I think feminist uh, script writers for movies and TV shows mocking men left and right, presenting ridiculous, and I, I mean that literally, ridiculous, images of men began and again and again. Uh, I think I think a lot of women being bitter towards men uh, have taken it out on their sons and caused their sons to have lower T levels, lower testosterone. Uh, moms being way too helicopter parent uh, preventing their kids from taking any risks, their boys especially taking any risks. They're also preventing their sons from that increase in testosterone that comes with winning. It's a curious thing, but even just fans of sports teams that win experience a rise in testosterone. If you are a man and your team is the Broncos and you watch the Broncos win again and again and again and again, again, your testosterone will go up. On the flip side, if... Let's say, for instance, you're, oh, I don't know, a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Until recently, I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl for crying out loud. But other than that, yeah, up until that, you know, you, you watch your team, whoever your team is, just lose again and again and again and again. And your testosterone levels will go down as a man. And I think what we've had is we've had a lot of boys grow up and a lot of young men grow up seeing men, seeing their team to some extent, lose again and again and again and again and again. And it has contributed in addition to diet and lifestyle changes, but I think all that has contributed to a decrease in testosterone, which is not good. But there's gotta be a, a way in which, you know, we take a risky scenario and we're not paralyzed by the potential that this is gonna go an unpredictable direction. As Christians. I mean, I'm not just saying that as some kind of a male chauvinist, or whatever. I'm so tired of the feminist campaigns against patriarchy constantly having to qualify everything. I read Jesus and John Wayne, it's like, you know, cowboys really actually did exist. Like they, they did and they do. There are real men. I know real men who are cowboys. But as Christians, how is it that we follow what James is saying there about not boasting about tomorrow, which by the way, I think is, is not a difference between biblical masculinity and toxic masculinity. I think it's a the difference between wisdom and folly. Why, why do we need to make that uniquely a masculine problem that there's boasting? I mean, the kinds of things that we might boast about as men are going to be different because of how much more testosterone, I mean, less and less, but how much more testosterone we have than women. God made us for a different purpose. He made them for a different purpose. A sympathetic purpose a compatible purpose. Yes, absolutely. But I look at what James says there about not boasting about tomorrow, what you'll do, but instead saying, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. I look at that and I think to myself, you know, a toxic masculinity characterization would be that the guy is just bragging all about his big business ventures and here's what he's going to do and he's going to make this much money and he's calculated it out and he's going to make just an absolute killing and he's going to take over this this and this and therefore you'd better kiss the ring you'd better bend the knee you'd better grovel at his feet or something why 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 are you telling me this i don't good we'll see right can i say we'll see we'll we'll see if all of your grand schemes and plans Work out is that okay for me to just say we'll see. God willing, you will live and do this or that. You can tell I've known some braggarts in my day, but it's it's folly, right? It you know I don't know if we need to call it toxic masculinity. I don't know that that's especially useful, but it's foolish. It's foolish masculinity. It's folly, and on the flip side, if you wanted to say this. Biblical masculinity would be to say, I'm going to strive, I'm going to work as unto the Lord. Whatsoever my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it with my might. I am going to provide for the needs of my household, for my wife and my children. I'm going to protect them with my strength, with my body, laying my body down for them if needs be. I'm going to beat my body into subjection and submission. I'm going to teach my sons and my daughter I'm going to train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to patch holes in the wall and paint. I'm going to go out there and storm castles and bring home bacon. A castle full of bacon sounds awesome, by the way. Just saying. But see, even there, right, we've got to figure out a way of getting to the off-ramp. The bridge is out ahead. (laughs) Exit now. This is going nowhere. That if a man succeeds in that and he is successful, can he win? Can he be successful in our culture? Is it possible for him to actually win? Because here's how it goes. In my experience, if men are very career-oriented, then we say they're workaholics and we ding them for that. If they shrug about their career and they just like, yeah, whatever, man, like I don't know, it's just I have a job and I'm just doing my job well, then we ding them for work ethic and for lacking ambition. You know, if they have a surplus of wealth, well, then we ding them for being too materialistic. And if they're not making enough, then we ding them for not providing for the needs of their own household. If they're disengaged when it comes to their wife and their children, we say they are asleep at the wheel. They're being way too passive, ambivalent. Just like we were covering here this past Sunday in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, the father disciplines the love the, the, the son that he loves. The, the father disciplines his legitimate heir and son. It's the bastard who doesn't get disciplined. Dad just cuts a check. You're not an illegitimate offspring. I'm just sending money. I don't want to be bothered. I'm busy. So... A father's going to be disciplining. But if he's too strict, then we start getting psychological. We start waxing psychotherapeutic, talking about father wounds. And we start talking about toxic masculinity. And very soon, it becomes very, very unclear what is the biblical basis for the vast majority of these criticisms. A lot of this is just sentimentalism. Oh, I'm sorry, like you didn't grow up with a silver spoon and you're bitter against your daddy because you didn't have all the nice things that your friends had growing up. You feel embarrassed about it and it's a lot of, hey, if i had only had this and only had that and only had this, I'd be here. Oh, my daddy said something mean to me once upon a time and scarred me for life. And so now we've got to really pile on with dads. Oh, wait a second. Okay, what, what's our test? What's our metric? Is our test and our metric biblical? An honest question. Honest question. Is it possible for men to win? If it's not, we're going to see testosterone levels go down and down and down and down and down and down. And, down and, down. and that's bad for everybody. It's bad for everybody. Fear and anxiety are not good, healthy, helpful traits for a leader, for a husband, for a father. They're not good and healthy. But we can't penalize men. We can't pile on men. We can't beat up on men when they start embodying confidence and courage. Ah, toxic masculinity. Why are you all about X, Y, and Z? That's so stereotypical. You're just an oppressive, patriarchal, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I am a patriarch. That doesn't mean I'm oppressive. I'm protective. I'm exercising leadership. That doesn't mean oppression. Maybe you just have a problem with authority. Is that a possibility, too? I'm sorry. Like, Is it possible that we're both sinful, fallen human beings that have some work to do? But is it also possible that husbands and fathers and men being men gets way too much flack these days because of gender theory and feminism run amok and egalitarianism predicated on godlessness, uh, plain and simple, a rejection of God's authority, a rejection of God's word, Is it possible that a great deal of the disorder and the chaos we see in society, in politics, in the church, in the education system, in business, in the home, is it possible that a lot of that chaos and disorder we see is actually because everyone's got a problem with human authority because everyone has rejected God's authority. We have no standard of determining when we are being oppressed and when we're not. Now, I don't want to paint with an overly broad brush. Some people definitely are applying the scriptures to these areas of life, and they are trying to repent, trying to make note of their own sin and repent of it, turn away from it, put it to death. They are also trying to call for repentance where repentance is proper, appropriate, But by and large, we are not a society marked by close attention to God's word, being Bereans. We are not a society marked by scrupulous questions of what does God's word say about masculinity and femininity? Quite the opposite. It's almost a satanic, and no, actually, I I take that back. I'm going to correct myself in real time here. It is satanic. It's not almost satanic. It is satanic. That we would celebrate as Woman of the Year a dude who up until six months ago had lived his entire life as a biological male because he's a biological male. There's a, there actually was a really great part in this Rebecca Merkel book, Even Exile, just highlighting the folly of Bruce Jenner, whether he wants to call himself Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, I just misgendered. I'm sorry. You can't make me use the pronouns you want me to. It's not, you, you have no right, sorry. like You have no right to demand that of me. But Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner says, ah, all this time, all these years, a woman has been trapped inside of me Living as a man, that was a lie. I am actually a woman trapped in a man's body. And then get celebrated. We celebrate that as Woman of the Year. What? You've been doing it for six months and you're already the best? Something's up with that. Maybe something's broken, actually. Is it possible that something's broken about how we're defining what makes a good man and what makes a good woman? Is it possible? I think that's possible. I think that's highly probable, actually. Something's broken. And how do we fix it? How do we see that restored? How do we experience healing there? That's something only God can do. Only the one who put this together in the first place can tell us, can show us, can do it for us, can fix this. And we desperately need the Lord to fix this. So for my part, in closing... Lauren and most of the kids are going to go get slushies, I think, because the kids worked really hard on scrubbing walls that they themselves made dirty, so that's fair, but all the same. We're going to get them slushies. Josiah and Eli are going to stay home with me, and then about noon, the property manager is going to come through, take a look at everything, hopefully not freak out, and I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I am probably too anxious about it, in part because you know if I'm content, I'll just say this: if I'm content with my wages right now, we are living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't know how we afford seven hundred dollars more a month. We just—it's not there. The, the money's not there. So then, do we start looking at buying a house? Well. No money down because nothing's saved up because we're just trying to get debt settled from years of living paycheck to paycheck. No money down. Is it a half a dozen of one and six of the other? Can I afford the house payment that is going to come with a half a million dollar house if I can't afford $700 more in rent per month? If I can even get the house right now with as crazy as the market is. If I can get financing right now. I don't know. So there's that. It's like, okay, well, that's my job. That's As a husband and a father, it's my job to figure it out. As a Christian, it's my job to trust the good Lord. So you can pray for me in that regard. What happens? Maybe I'm worrying too much about tomorrow. I'm sufficient for the day or the troubles they're in, Jesus says. But, like we've been talking about with some other topics as well, if we didn't need to hear it, he wouldn't have said it. <laughs> he said it because it bears mention let's put it that way but I'm going to go on the front porch smoke my pipe enjoy the cool morning air a little bit try not to be anxious for anything but in prayer and supplication present all my requests to God we've got a little bit of finishing up a little bit of tidying up to do around the house then we'll be ready for whatever comes